I'm just going to say, man, I, I love baptisms. Who doesn't love baptism? Honestly, so powerful. That really is the message this morning. It's so powerful, just what God gives to us, but also the reminder where he takes us from death to life. I mean, it's beautiful. So those of you that are visiting today, and this is, you know, the only time that you would step into a church, we're glad that you're here. And um, there's something about when we gather as the church and how powerful that is, and that God reminds us that he is not only with us, but that he gives us his power to live rightly. So when I was praying about what to talk about today, what I hope to do is to encourage us, basically, honestly, just to go back to uh, the words of Jesus. I'm going to share out of Matthew, just a small text here. This is uh, about the calling of the first disciples. So if you have a Bible, you can uh, use your Bible, or it might be up on the screen. But this is uh, Matthew chapter 4. I'm just going to read these verses here just so that we have a context of, of what Jesus uh, was doing. And so the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is a picture of the earthly ministry of Jesus. And so that's the text this morning, starting in verse 18. It says this, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were in the boat with their father, uh, Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed them. There's something powerful about the words of Jesus and how Jesus calls us. So this morning, what I hope to do is kind of remind us how Jesus sees us and how Jesus calls us and how Jesus makes us into who we're called to be. There's three different things here taken from this text in Matthew. And the first thing is that we want to look at is that Jesus saw, like he saw the, the brothers both times where he saw Peter and Andrew and Jesus saw James and John. And the word saw here means so much because sometimes when we look at people, we just see like behavior or we just see the outward expression of somebody's life. But the word saw there literally means that when Jesus saw these men, he saw right through them. He saw who they were. He saw what their strengths were, what their weaknesses were. He saw their sin. He saw everything about them. You know, I've been in uh, ministry now for 30 years. And I think one of the most thing, powerful things that I've actually learned in being in the church and out of the church and people that I love in and out of the church is that one of the things that I hear more often than not is that most people never feel seen. They often feel overlooked, like just going through life that nobody sees them, that nobody knows them. So this is very significant here because we're talking about how Jesus called his disciples and he was calling them into something. So when Jesus calls us, he's always calling us into something better. But what we want to start with here today is to the reminder that Jesus sees us. And you need to know that Jesus sees you. And if you don't know that about your life, because there's something about when we know that we're seen, but not only seen, but that we're loved. Because when Jesus saw these men, he saw everything about them, and yet he still invited them into purpose. There's a great scripture in first, uh, Second Chronicles 69 where it says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Another version I love, it says this, 
For the eyes of Adonai move here and there throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who are, who are turned towards him. For the eyes of Adonai, so this is the eyes of the Lord. This is what's happening right now, that God's eyes, that he's looking throughout the earth and he's looking, just as he looked at the disciples then, that he's looking at us today. The very God that sees us is the God that calls us. That's what we find in this passage here, is that Jesus saw these men and he saw who they were, but then he called them, he invited them in and he said, follow me and I will make you in to my disciples. The word follow here means to come now. There's actually a force to it. If you study the meaning behind this, when Jesus was calling the disciples, it's a powerful force. It's a powerful calling. And their response, actually, because this is an invitation. So when you read the Bible, understand this. The Bible is all about invitations from Jesus to us. It's all about invitations. It's all about God inviting us. So even us coming together this morning, God is initiating invitations to us. He's, in, he's initiating that the reminder that we can't do life without him. He's initiating the, the promise of that we have from death to life. He's initiating the invitation that where our life is right now is not where it needs to end up. There's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And it's, it just speaks of a God who loves us and a God who calls us. I love that, that this response actually where it says that immediately the disciples drop their nets. Another version talks about that straight away. So here Jesus is asking them to do so. He's asking them to leave the way that they live. He's asking them to leave everything behind. He's asking them to leave what's familiar, what's security for them, the way that they were making a living. And Mark's recollection actually is even more powerful because it says without delay, he called them, but without delay, they also respond. So think about when God calls us, he calls us unto something, but we're always leaving what was. Even what we, what we did today, it's a picture of we go from death to life. We leave the old way. We leave the old lifestyle. We leave the old of whatever it is that we have been giving ourselves to. And we say yes to Jesus. That's the call of the kingdom. That's the call of Jesus to us. So for them to leave everything, what it means is that they literally abandon their former life, their income. Like we gotta, we gotta remind ourselves. I think in the church, sometimes we have like this glamorous, you know, picture of following Christ. But at the end of the day, Jesus calls us to come and die. And how many know like dead people don't get up? Like the thing is, is we don't have rights. When we say yes to God, we're leaving what was. And you cannot have what is or what's to come if you're holding on to what was. And that's the picture of what Jesus is doing here. All of these men, all of these men who heard the voice of Jesus, do you know that all of them were martyred for their faith? That was the call to discipleship. The call to Jesus that Jesus saw them, Jesus called them, but they also were martyred for their faith. And we need to understand that when God calls us, it is to a death. It is to a death of what was. And what can this life do? Actually, just an earthly death because we just go and be with Jesus. One of the things that I've learned about my life is that I can, I can put up with a little bit of pain if I know it's not my forever. And so if I'm living my life like in light of eternity, then I can put up a little bit of pain this side of heaven. 
I could put up with a little bit of loss. I could put up with some other things that are difficult. Why? Because it's not my forever. I'm living my life in light of eternity. And how many know we're all terminal? That's encouraging. We're all terminal. It's not whether or not we're going to die. The real question is, how are we going to live? That was the invitation that Jesus was giving to them. In fact, this is really interesting because there's another verse in Matthew 11:28 where Jesus says, come unto me all who are uh, in labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That actually is the same tone, the same connotation, the same meaning, so to speak. So in other words, the same Jesus who calls you to come and die is the same Jesus who says, I'm gonna give you rest. In other words, that Jesus is saying, I'm calling you, but I also am going to give you rest and peace. The same Jesus who calls you is the same Jesus who says, I'm gonna walk alongside of you. One of the great promises in the Bible is that Jesus says that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, which means I will never abandon you. And so much of the time, like we're afraid that we're not seen. We're so afraid that we're not gonna be called. We're so afraid that we're gonna be abandoned. And it's why Jesus addresses all these things through the scripture. He says, come to him all who just need rest. Come to, come to him all who just need a purpose in their life. How many know as long as you're here, you have purpose? As long as we have breath, we have purpose. And I think sometimes people often wonder why they missed out on the amazing things that God does. And it's because they haven't dropped their nets. So if you notice here, the disciples' response is that they dropped everything. They dropped their nets. Could it be that sometimes we're not going forward in the things that God has for us because we're holding on to the, our, our nets, whatever that is. We're holding on to a relationship. We're holding on to a job. We're holding on to some sense of security because we'll want to follow God. We want to say yes to Jesus, but we just don't want to let go of some of our securities. And what's interesting here is that immediately when Jesus called them, so this says something about the voice of Jesus. I think this is why we have to understand that when God calls us, there's something about God's voice that when we hear him, nothing else really matters. You know, the Bible talks about that we taste and see of the Lord because once we taste of the Lord, we won't want anything else. The thing is, it's not as good because he is a good God. He's a kind God. And I think so many people miss out because they're trying to navigate and trying to hold on to their, these false securities of this life. And my friends, I'm here to tell you that we've got to let go of what was and say yes to Jesus and follow him. And how many know God's kingdom is advancing? It's going forward. That's what it's all about. We're going forward. So this is the thing. God does not go backwards. And the enemy, which we have a real enemy, loves to take us backwards. He loves to remind us of what was. Can you imagine the disciples here? They're probably thinking, well, I probably should just take one net just in case Jesus guy doesn't work out. You know what I mean? I should take something with me, right? We do that in this life. We negotiate. Yeah, yes, Jesus, I'll say yes to you in this part of my life, in this part of my life, but not really this part. Can I hold on to this? So we find it interesting that immediately they drop everything. Immediately, straight away, they turn and they follow Jesus. So there's something about when we have a revelation of who God is, that we see this side of heaven, the best thing of what we have to offer God is us. Even in all of our brokenness, even in this, you know, the, the stuff that's not perfect, because none of us in here is perfect. By the way, nobody likes a perfect person. Anybody who thinks they're perfect, we don't like you. Because <laughs> it's not realistic, right? 
Even in all of our brokenness that God calls us, there's something about this discipleship of dying to ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was actually martyred for his faith, by the way. I mean, he just really lived it. He was, you know, martyred and killed in the concentration camps. But he was so, he's so powerful as a theologian when he spoke about God because he really lived it. There's something about when somebody really lives their life for Christ that it's so attractive and it has so much authority because it's like, I want that. I don't, want to, I don't want to sell out for the things of this life. So he had authority and he said this. He said, we can only achieve perfect liberty and enjoy fellowship with Jesus when his command is his call is absolute discipleship is appreciated in its entirety. So it's all of it. He said this, only the man who follows the command of Jesus single-minded and unresistantly lets his yoke rest upon, finds his burden easy, and under its gentle pressure receives the power to persevere in the right way. The command of Jesus is hard, utterly hard, for those who try to resist it. But for those who willingly submit, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. Powerful words of being a discipleship. Or we could follow the words of Homer Simpson, who said, if something's hard to do, then it's not worth doing. It's sort of like we have to pick where we're gonna live our life from. It is hard. There's a cost to following Jesus. Jesus said that. It's going to cost you something. Not anything of value has a cost attached to it, right? There's a cost to saying yes to Jesus. There is a cost to following him. We may lose some relationships. We may lose some finances or whatever it is that God is asking us to let go of. Whatever our next is, so to speak, there is a cost. Being a real follower is going to cost you something. But there's something about this call when Jesus saw these men and he called them that their life and what they were doing and even their family, says they left their father, that it was more important to, to go where Jesus was going. I think we need to hear Jesus like that. The third thing that the scripture talks about here is Jesus saw, Jesus called, but then Jesus makes. How many know that without the power of God, it's very hard to serve God? And here Jesus says that he, he makes. He said, I will make you. And it means to be framed. It means to be molded. It means to be constructed. But it also means to be performed to a promise. So when Jesus said, I'm going to make you into my disciples, what he's saying to them is I'm going to make you into the promise of what your purpose is this side of heaven. God is the one who forms us. He is the one who makes us. He is the one who actually created us. So it's our great creator who still creates, by the way, who actually knows what his creation is for. He wants to make you. He wants to form you. This side of heaven, how many know that it's only your character that you take to heaven? So hearing his voice and knowing what God calls us into is so very important, but you need to know that God wants to make you into something greater than what you are right now. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in 10 years where I am today. I want to keep growing. I want to grow up before I grow old. I want things to be different. I want God to make me and mold me. And how many know when God makes you into something, it's painful. Because when he's forming you, there's a pain. Sometimes you got to let go of things. Sometimes God will prune you. John 15 talks about that, where God will cut things out of your life that are only unhealthy or that just cause you harm. Sometimes it's, it's painful when God's forming us. You can't be formed into the, the image of Christ without having some pain involved. It's just part of it. 
It's part of what God calls us into. But there's a promise here that when Jesus sees us, that he sees through all of the things of who we are. So just as he saw the disciples, he sees you. And he sees you not as you are, but what you're meant to be. Hear that this morning. You may have lots of struggles right now. You may have lots of things that you're like, I'll never gonna change in this. This is never gonna you know, be different for me. My family's always gonna struggle with this addiction or be in jail or whatever it is in your family because we all have stuff. How many know we all have stuff in our families? You British though, you're really good at hiding stuff. I'm gonna say that. But what the great promise here is that even in our stuff that Jesus sees us and he still calls us. Like even in your imperfections, Jesus sees that and he calls you and he calls you unto purpose. And it's because he wants to make you into what he wants to call you into. And how many know culture fights this? Culture is, we live in a microwave culture. We want everything right now, right? You have microwaves over here, right? They're a gift from God. We live in a microwave culture where everything happens. We, if it doesn't happen right away, then it must not be God. And how many know when God's molding us and making us, it's a slow process. The fruit of our lives and some of the best fruit takes the longest to grow. So we have to hold on to the promises of what God has said when he's making stuff in us. How many of you guys have ever felt like you got through a season and then you walk into something and then you react like how you used to react in the old you and you're like, where did that come from? I thought I wasn't that angry anymore. And oftentimes something will come up and God's just saying, listen, I'm just forming you, deal with it. I'm making you. That doesn't mean you went backwards. It just means that you just stumbled over something, right? How many know like these disciples that Jesus, you know, called, they had their own stuff too. Jesus sees you, but he calls you. It's because he wants to make you and he wants to form you into what you're called to be. And this is my encouragement to us this morning. Be honest about where you're at. How many know God cannot work with us if we're not honest? It's just being honest and saying, this is my struggle. This is the thing I'm dealing with right now. So much of the time in the church, we're just not honest and we can't get healed. We can't get free if we're not honest about the things that we're really struggling with. Do you know that struggling is not a sin? Like that's the wrestling. The apostle Paul in the Bible talks about there's this war inside of us. It's a wrestling. Why do I always do what I'm not supposed to do? That's what the apostle Paul would say. Just be honest about where you're at. God can work with honesty. God could work with humility. God could work when we surrender our lives to him. We just have to be honest about where we're at. There's a story of this woman who wanted to go to university, but her heart sank when she read the question on the application that asked, are you a leader? And she was wanting to be honest. And so she wrote no. And she returned the application expecting the worst. And to her surprise, she received this letter from the university. Dear applicant, a study of the application forms reveals that this year our university will have 1,452 new leaders. We are accepting you because we feel it's imperative that they have at least one follower. <laughs> Be honest about where you're at. Like Jesus, this is where I'm struggling. This is where I'm having trouble following you. This is where I'm really you know, not feeling like I'm gonna make it. That's okay. Jesus saw these men, yet he still called them. And here's the thing, what did he call him into? He called him into purpose. He said, I'm gonna make you into fishers of men. 
How many know like that's our call? We're disciples making disciples. That's hard work. We're actually called to a bigger picture. This is a picture. This life is not about us. This life is about what Jesus does through us, has to be in us before it could go through us to the people around us. And Jesus said, I'm going to call you, but I'm going to make you into fishers of men. In other words, these men were going to smell like fish. We have to ask our life. Uh, we, have to, we have to ask the Lord about our life. And if we're actually doing the thing that God called us into, because Jesus said, I'm calling you into something, but it's to the purposes of what Jesus wanted. So you want to ask yourself this morning, am I, am I living the purpose that God has for my life? Because here's the thing. Jesus sees you. He sees you. He knows you, yet he still calls you. And he wants to make you and to become a disciple of him. And it's one of the most powerful invitations of what we have in the scriptures. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. What matters is what you do today and in going forward. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the family stuff. And none of that stuff is actually your identity. Because when we say yes to Christ, we're a new creation in Christ. And this promise of Jesus calling the disciples is the same promise that he has for us today. Jesus wants to call you. Jesus wants to use you. And so no, it doesn't matter where you came from, but I will tell you this. If you're living your life outside of Jesus, that's really exhausting because it's only through Jesus. It's only through the power of his Holy Spirit that we have a power to say no to sin. And it's only through the power of Christ that we have a peace that the Bible talks about. And how many know a life without peace is no life at all? Man, when you live without peace and you live in your own power, sometimes we just got to get to the end of ourselves. And there's something about encountering Jesus. So if you've never encountered Jesus, I'm here to tell you, my friends, that when you encounter him, there's nothing better. And you'll let go of the things that are and the things that were, because at the end of the day, those things don't matter much. What matters is that we're living our life in light of eternity. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand?